Hello and welcome to the Aussie Nerds podcast. I'm Daniel and we're in the middle of Classics Month and we're going to talk about the Hayes Code uh, with the favourite movie of Bruno, The Apartment. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for bringing in an interesting movie. <coughs> so uh, The Apartment is about like sex and affairs and all the stuff that Hayes being an ultra-conservative religious person, hated. How the hell did it sneak past? Uh, are you asking? <laughs> I, I, I admit that I did a bunch of research on this. It was a nightmare. So, uh, why did you bring this movie? Um, well, yeah, just because, uh, I mean, I, I don't like to think about movies in terms of favorites because that kind of changes but I, I think the movie that I've that I saw most times in recent years has been The Apartments I think it felt right to to pick that one yeah uh, it, it's an interesting movie because uh, it switches from this like drama about this uh, about this guy who's been stepped on his entire life to a romantic comedy like halfway through. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, and that's something that Billy Wilder did very well, which was mix elements of drama and, and comedy. But yeah, I think that's what I like about this this movie so much is that it, it it feels like romantic comedy, but then it has this really dark moments, very serious uh, commentary also on society. And yeah, I, I quite like that. It's yeah, that's one of the things that draws me to this movie. Um, we see um, the the apartment in question is a pretty nice apartment, but the reason that all these executives want it is to bring the women that they're having affairs with to somewhere private. And that's there's just so much social commentary on that. Yeah, and there's the fact that the, the main character basically just wants to, you know, he wants a better life. He wants to grow up in his company. So he basically allows himself to be bullied by all these powerful men uh, into bringing girls into, into his apartment. So on one side is the social commentary of, you know, powerful men having affairs and uh, hiding it from, well, the, their wives and how that was so normal back then. You know, it was, it was at most just frowned upon, I guess. And uh, on the other side, it's you know the the way that uh, you know corporations or uh, the the bosses would just uh, uh, just basically use their power. Uh, it's basically a, a movie about abuse of power in a way because all these men would be just. I find it interesting them. that um, the the I idea of the American dream in particular has always been bullshit and has been something that powerful rich people tell not powerful poor people. Yeah, like, just an exploitation. Yeah, yeah um, let us have this power because someday you will have this power too. Yeah, and then you will want to keep it. So, you know, let us have it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good description, yeah. And the guy uh, basically gains more power within the company by giving his apartment to people, but not too much power as for him to want to stop. So they only give him like a little bit, even though they're taking advantage of him in a massive scale. Yeah, it's, um, it's the bait, I guess. You know, you, you, give, you give someone like a, a little bit of a cookie and well, now you want more. So you, you keep coming back for for the rest of the cookie, I guess. Yeah, it's it's an interesting <coughs> um, idea on, it, it's like a, a smaller version of this bigger uh, power play that happens everywhere. And I, when I first read about the Hayes Code, I thought it started in like 1931 and then ended in 1968. But no, it, it was being bought 
uh, around for ages so that people could do stuff in movies that they wanted to. Yeah, and I think Billy Wilder apparently based, well, after, uh, to be fair, the first time I heard about it was when you, you mentioned it. And uh, I didn't do nearly as much research as you did, but one of the things that I saw is that Billy Wilder, uh, when he released Some Like It Hot the year before The Apartment, uh, they, they didn't get um, uh, approval to be, to be released based on the, the, the Hays Code. And I think they still released it and it was a success, and which kind of weakened the case for the, the Hays Code. So in a way, Billy Wilder was one of the people that kind of uh, seemed to be challenging that. And they did that with Some Like It Hot and then The Apartment was the next step, I guess. Um, so people were fighting for things like sexuality and affairs to be on um, in films. And uh, it's really funny the wording that they use because it's like uh, they use stuff like uh, decency and, um, obs- and they said that um, sympathetic depictions of affairs was not obscene and i'm like yeah <laughs> obviously yeah but the, the movie if you if you look back if an audience today uh looks back at the movie the movie is very mild it's extremely mild there's there's no explicit sex there's uh honestly the main romance feels like uh it's almost platonic there's really not much happening i mean there's the affairs but you don't see anything it's everything is implied and yeah it's really really mild which is uh good because the point of the movie isn't the affairs the point is this guy's being taken advantage of yeah um i i really dig the uh second half more than the first half because i just felt so sorry for him and i'm like dude you need to get out Yeah, I, I don't know. For me, the entire movie is amazing. I mean, uh, just from the beginning, the you know, the just the music, the way that it just fills in completely from the beginning, and the way that it escalates throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a real masterpiece. It's really good, and the fact that it switches from like this sad, pathetic uh, character, and we're just doing a study of him. And then we got um, the romantic uh, aspect, the romantic drama or romantic comedy part in the second half when the woman stays over at his apartment uh, and he has to keep everyone out is, is very, is, is a good switch. Also a bit unexpected, right? I mean, when you watched it the first time, were you expecting that it would take that third? I wasn't expecting it to to take that turn. I thought when they introduced her, uh, I thought that uh, he'd leave the apartment and start dating her, but I didn't expect it to happen halfway through the movie. I thought that that would be like an ending thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's unusual in its structure because, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the setup takes a really long time. You You meet the love interest very late in the movie. It's not as early as you would do it nowadays. And, and then, yeah, at the middle of the movie, you have this situation of staying over with her and how it develops from there. Yeah, it's, it's unusual in its structure, but at the same time, it just works really well. It, and him being a complete pushover, it's just like, oh my God, I hate you because I am you. <laughs> I used to be yeah. like that all the time and it wasn't until like a few years ago where I'm like oh I just hate doing that Uh, I get you I think a lot of people can relate to that because you know we all at some point have been that guy the guy who doesn't want to say no who wants to cooperate and you know seize an opportunity in getting better in life so you want to take it you don't want to do anything to uh, to threaten that opportunity yeah so We've all been there, I think. Yeah, and uh, it's like an extreme version of it. They're taking over his apartment. Uh, <laughs> I love that the guy said, "Hey, can you give my, can you give this woman a key? Uh, can you make an extra key so that we don't have to share a key to your apartment?" 
And I'm like, fuck off. Pays awfully nicely later on, but yeah, it's just uh, it's an insane way that you know you, you a, a stranger or well basically your boss would just tell you, give me your key and that's it, and I will have your key forever. It's yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I, I do like the payoff uh, when he gives him a fake key and leaves the apartment and just just leaves and gets out of there. Uh, yeah, we we just have really early uh, with the, the other guy. I can't remember his name, but uh, the guy who's supposed to leave the key under his mattress and gives the wrong key. So the whole thing is engineered from the beginning. Uh, and yeah, for me, that's just brilliant writing. It's just, you know, all these little moments that you pay off in the end. That, that It's brilliant. That's one of the reasons why I like this movie so much. There's so much of these little things. The, the fact that it's like it's snowing and it's cold and he's like and he's sick and it's just like but if you go but i'll give you like tickets to the ball game or whatever uh and if you can let us use the apartment for tonight and it's just like oh no let the guy sleep dude Actually, I read, I don't know how, how much of this is true, but I read that uh, Jack Lemmon, the actor who plays uh, Baxter, <coughs> is, actually, is actually sick for real. So he actually got sick. Oh, no. So they kind of adapted around that. Uh, but it works. It, it just works. If that was not planned, it, it just works perfectly. If it wasn't planned and he was sick and they kept filming and added that as part of the story structure, that's just brilliant. Um, adaption in writing. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I I don't know how much of that is actually true, but yeah, I I would agree. Yeah, either way, it just works perfectly. It it's it's oh God. the fact that he's sick is is his lowest point because he gets kicked out of his own apartment by the fucking asshole, and uh, and and can't and is powerless and and is that form of powerlessness that is just makes me feel so sad for him <laughs> uh no i i guess you know for for the story to work you really need to to make him look like he's a pushover a complete pushover and i think the best way is, is really that is, you know you're you're at your worst your 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 health is threatened and and still he he agrees to do what is being asked uh, so yeah, I, I think you need that moment. You need to see him at his slowest and still agree to do things for for the story to work, so that he can learn not to be a pushover, because he has to take care of this woman. Who, I, by the way, I love the fact that his neighbors, think <laughs> that he's like this massive stud, has tons of parties. Yeah, uh, and again, it's something that. And again, it's something that's set up from the beginning. You know, the first time that uh, the doctor arrives and he just goes, uh, Mildred, is that it again? It's just, it, it's my favorite line in the movie. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's brilliant. You need to keep, you need to stop doing this. And, <laughs> and uh, when she's dying uh, or sick and the doctor has to come over and he's like, oh my God, this guy is just the worst. Yeah, he basically gets the blame. And again, it goes back to, to show how, how much of a, a pushover he is, how much he is in the, the, the grasp of this powerful man mm-hmm. uh, that someone in his situation and he's still agreeing to take the blame. He's taking the blame for something <laughs> that his boss did. No, no, something illegal and dangerous that he did. Yeah. Um, all in the pursuit of power. Yeah, that that uh, as well. I mean, he, he even asks the doctor to uh, not report it. Uh, so, so yeah, it's he's really uh, trying really hard to protect this man who is who has done nothing but causing trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd throw my boss under the bus completely. <laughs> I'm not loyal. Yeah, you're you're not a team player. That's shame. <laughs> shame. Shame. <laughs> <coughs> I I like um, the woman that I, I like that their chemistry and um, that she gets to know him uh, as she's been taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, she 
they know each other in passing and he's nothing but polite to her. But I like that she's like, like it's all about image as well. Like the he has this self-image of uh, climbing up the corporate ladder. The uh, neighbours have the image of him being a party animal that doesn't care about people. Uh, you mean the, the uh, Kublik, the the elevator girl? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the elevator girl. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's more about, you know, um, very often we have co-workers that we know from work and we don't know them, you know, personally. And she gets to know him personally. So I, I do think that she she knows that he's not like the other guys at work. At some point, she even says, you're the only one who takes off your hat uh, when you come into the elevator. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like she, she knows he's different from the other guys, but it's that knowing uh, that, you know, you, you know you're some of your co-workers, <laughs> but you don't necessarily hang out with them. You don't actually know them. And, yeah, throughout the movie, she gets to know the other side of who he is, I guess. She's brilliant. Also, I love the concept of someone being employed to press the buttons of an elevator. (laughs) I think that was a normal job back then. It was, but now, but at some point they're just like, why are we paying this person? Press your own damn buttons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And uh, a lot about this movie, it's... uh, I think this movie uh, feels very current in a way that it's made. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it kind of gives a view of how things were back then. And yeah, I, I, it's it's fascinating to see all this stuff that existed that don't exist anymore. Like, you know, someone driving uh, with, in hair quotes, <coughs> uh, someone driving an elevator or, you know, all the stuff that he has on his desk, you know, the the little thing with the context that is kind of rotating. It's based on the time and what they had. It's genius. It's, and I had never seen that, but you know, it's, it's great seeing all those things that existed in the sixties. He, um, the thing you're talking about is uh, he's got everyone's dates written down. It's like a calendar. Uh, uh, and he rotates it. And it's like, I can book you into my apartment to have sex with this person uh, on the 15th. And he has to spend like 14 hours or some bullshit number of hours rearranging everyone's uh, use of his apartment and he's miserable. <laughs> yeah, because he's also sick at the time. So yeah, but, but yeah, it's just the, the fact that, you know, he, instead of having, you know, nowadays we would use something digital or uh, just some agenda. And he had like this massive list with cards and contacts that you just rotate and flip through to find the people and uh, yeah and many other stuff i mean yeah it's it's just it's great to see technological where we were back then <coughs> i love classic movies um i watch uh kids react uh on youtube and they're like is this movie from the 60s and it's like no it's from the 90s you oh god i hate me old <laughs> Uh, but, like, kids don't care about stuff from the 60s. And, like, if it's not Star Wars, that's the earliest they'll go back to. Yeah. Uh, which sucks. And it's a shame. We're losing, um, we're losing the uh, classic movies because uh, everything's moving to digital. And if it's not making money, then they don't care. Yeah, and they keep remaking films and, uh, you know, I'm not against remakes. I mean, some of my favorite films are remakes. Uh, Hitchcock has a movie that's uh, The Man uh, Who Knew Too Much. Mm -hmm. He made two movies. He made one in the 30s and then he remade it in the 50s. And it's a great movie, the remake. Um, The Thing. uh, Scarface, The Thing, they are remakes. So it's not against remakes, (coughs) but I think... There are movies that you don't remake. For example, you don't remake The Apartment. You don't remake The Godfather. Those movies are amazing. What are the changes you I think you can Sorry? remake The Apartment because you can have it in a more modern context um, of people being uh, used in order to get famous or whatever. It's, it's an interesting structure that you could 
use in a modern context. But like one of the things that I like about it is that they're all still like businessmen in the 60s. So they're all trying to be like proper and speaking properly and have an upper class image and it's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Behind the behind everybody's backs, they are doing all these other stuff. Yes. Um, <coughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I guess you can remake these movies, but it needs to be a, a fairly different movie. You cannot try to do the same thing. It oh, really no, needs... You can't to do be. like this movie again. You can do the same premise and change the context. Yeah. It would need to be something very different to work, I guess. Uh I love it. It reminded me of Ned Flanders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see that, yes. Uh, Ned Flanders just gets fed up. Homer keeps using his apartment. Oh, I, I, I did not see that. That uh, Was that an episode of The Simpsons? No, or? I'm just imagining that it could... That oh, okay, okay. thing could just be an episode of The Simpsons and end with Ned Flanders punching Homer in the face. Yeah, yeah, just uh, being nice and being a good Christian, and yeah, uh, could totally happen. Yeah, <coughs> oh, God. this movie's fantastic. And uh, researching on how censorship ruined movies for like 10 years from like 1933 to 1945, and then in the and then after that, everyone's like, no, fuck this, and then just kept suing the government. Uh, in order to get uh, the senses lifted. Like, one of the things that you couldn't depict on the Hays Code was white people being in slavery. Which makes me think, how the hell did they make Spartacus? Because that's the same year as um, the apartment, I think. Yeah, but by that time, like, the Hays Code was basically rubbish. It was a striving skeleton of its former self now going no pay attention to me <laughs> one of the uh one of the important things happened which was um that uh the there uh, was a judge that said that uh films are not protected under free speech and then like five years later another one said they are and so after that everyone just ignored the Hays code yeah yeah, and again, going back to what that you mentioned, I mean, there, there were some rules that really were rubbish. I mean, saying that you cannot depict a white man uh, in a situation of slavery, but you can depict any other ethnicity. I mean, what the hell is that? You, uh, my personal favorite was that you couldn't have bad guys winning. And it's my personal favorite because there's a movie called Bad Seed, uh, called The Bad Seed. Have you seen it? No, I have not seen it. No. It's amazing. So it's basically, well, it's got shit acting and it's badly written. But the um, the little girl, uh, it's all about how like children can be evil, which is a cliche now, but this was the first one that did it. And she wins, right? She drives her mother insane. Uh, she murders like four people. No one suspects her. It's great. <laughs> but the Hayes Code said, you can't have her win. So. After the movie's finished, after she's gotten away with everything and no one suspects her, she gets struck by lightning and explodes. <laughs> she's, on, she's reaching up for a doll and she gets struck by lightning and explodes, which is fantastic. I don't know which one is worse. The fact that just that you'll have a little girl, a little girl murdering everybody and winning or the fact that she just, you just kill a, a little girl because she cannot win. Yeah, by being struck by lightning. So the Hayes yeah. Code, the Hayes Code said, you can't have her win. That's not moral. Fine, we'll strike her with lightning and have her explode. They're like, that seems fair. Seems fair to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing that, um, I mean, and, and artists often do that kind of trying to, you know, push um, things that they they believe or things that, or push against things that they don't believe. And they, they kind of did that, you know, as early as the 50s and the 60s and trying to push the boundaries of what the, the Hays Code. 
allowed yeah. to do. The, the Hays Code basically ruined cinema for like 10 years. And it, and it wasn't abolished officially until 1968, which means that in 2018, yeah, in 2018, we had cinema longer than the Hays Code. Like the, from when it was abolished to 2018 was how long it uh, the Hayes Code was in place. 40 years and 40 years, I think. Uh, to, so <coughs> it's really interesting to uh, see all that, especially since it's only American. It's only American movies. So if you see like Japanese or um, European movies, they didn't have to follow the Hayes Code. Yeah, which, uh, and, and that's probably why you'd have a lot of, uh, a lot of cin- European and Asian cinema that was, that is still today regarded as, you know, some of the best movies ever made because they, f- some of them fall in that period and they, they had that, they, they were, they did, they were not restricted probably by the same morality rules that uh, the Ace Code imposed. They couldn't get distribution in America. Uh, because of the Hayes Code, but they could get distribution in their own country, which yeah. worked. My favorite from the 30s is a movie called M, which is a fantastic movie set in Germany in 1931. And it's about the mobsters and the police trying to track down this child murderer. It's one of the best um uh, movies on yeah, that topic. Yeah, ever. Fritz Lang, right? Yeah, Fritz Lang. I can never remember yeah. his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I love movies that push the boundary and have to, but like, don't go too far. Like with the apartment, it would be terrible if like it showed actual sex because who cares? It's not about that. Yeah, exactly, and uh, and I think I, I always thought that there was this um, my, my I I really love movies all all around uh, well up to the the early seventies because they had like some sort of I don't know some sort of magic I think it has to do with the innocence that there was in those movies most of the time they, and um, they they, they try and depict normal people what they want to be seen as as moral people put into these situations. Uh, And that's, uh, hang on a second. So the the fact that people, (coughs) the fact that people try and present themselves as uh, being upper class and proper is, uh, rubbish, and I like movies that uh, show that these upper-class business people that try and project an air of superiority are, you know, terrible, or at least normal. <laughs> well, but, uh, I mean, th- that's kind of what uh, the characters should be, right? Show more than one more than one side and that that's really who everybody is it's it goes back to what we were discussing about you know uh you can have a co-worker that behaves a certain way when he's with you or yourself you behave in a certain way with your co-workers but with your family you're a different person with your closest group of friends you're a different person you know you have all these different uh, uh facets that you present to different people i guess I think it's a fantastic, uh, uh, it, it's a fantastic thing for uh, movies, movies to show us what's happening underneath a surface level of, uh, of people. That's why the Adams family was so successful. Mm. Everyone loves the Adams family because it was a parody of like uh, the people that were all upper class and trying to be proper. Uh, and what people love is that they unabashedly love each other, which is uncommon for sitcoms. But they are also really messed up. <laughs> yeah. In, um, like all of us. <laughs> yeah. I like that in the, in the TV show, at least, the Adams Family, the joke is that they unconditionally love each other, even though they're weird. 
but like uh, in other ones, you just have them hating each other all the time. Yeah, yeah, you you create conflict just for the sake of it. I guess that's what you're saying, right? You know, they are yeah. yelling at each other and for reasons that sometimes you think, well, that's not such not a big deal. Yeah, in uh, most it comes the conflict is the internal conflict of the marriage, but in the Adams family, everything's external because they're just like, sure, you can play with your uh, anaconda or whatever. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the movies of the Adams Family because they just take that one step further, which is great, and they just depict sex, and um, they're in a BDSM relationship, and it's just like, yeah, but they're great and love each other unconditionally. <laughs> and she cuts the heads off roses. Love the Adams Family. But uh, showing that um, the underside of what is being outwardly presented uh, is why I, the apartment works so well. Yeah, I, I agree. That's one of the factors. I mean, uh, but I, I would say it's not, it's not just a story uh, that works well in the apartment. I, I mean, everything. I mean, it's uh, great acting, great cinematography, great. If you look at it and from a technical level, it's also just amazing. And it's, it's funny and it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's just a fantastic film with where everything just fits in correctly. It's a it's a delight to watch uh, because you have the romantic uh, the romantic comedy at the latter half. Because so you so you get the payoff of watching this guy suffer, <coughs> and in the first half you have it. It is brilliant. I love the cinematography, um, just showing the, the um, his world collapsing on itself when he's being taken advantage of. Like we see a bunch of close-ups of him as he's being talked at and trying to please everyone. And then once he's free in his apartment, we see a bunch, a bunch of more wide shots and him being a part of the apartment instead. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, it's technically really well done. Yeah. Oh, uh, what do you think of the score? The, the score is amazing. I mean, like I mentioned before, I mean, just from the beginning, from the 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 first, um, just the the first mu- the first music you hear when you have like the outside of the apartment is just. <coughs> Uh, yeah, it's just phenomenal and it just fills in completely and, uh, you know, it makes its presence noticed, which, uh, I mean, generally it's not good if you're noticing it, but in this case it really is good that you're noticing it. Uh, Some schools like that. Yeah, and it just goes through all of that uh, all the way to the end. And yeah, it's, again, I, I, I can't praise enough how how amazing the entire movie is technically. Um, some scores like blend into the background and enhance the scene. Um, and other scores are like uh, Star Wars score, but they have a life on to itself. I think both are valid, but I prefer the score that blends into the scene. Yeah, g- generally I would say yes. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, every once in a while, if you have those moments that, you know, you just... It just makes itself very noticed. Sometimes that can be as effective. It really depends what the moment needs to be, I guess. You you want to like have an epic score when something amazing is happening. Exactly. But I like yeah. but I like dramatic action more than actual action. And dramatic action yeah. is when you don't see much happening outwardly, but like uh, the drama is picked up so much that you just feel the tension. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, it's, there's. <laughs> Uh, there, there's something uh, happening that affects you at an emotional level. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like in this, what you, you, I didn't realize how much his misery and a pathetic, uh, uh, the way that he, he's just so pathetic and is being walked all over that when. Uh, he finally steps up and tells them that they can't come in. 
even if it's just for a minute, I'm just like, yes, good. It's fighting back, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that. Uh, I also like the elevator girl. I think she's really cute. The you like who? Sorry, the elevator girl. Yes, yeah, and she she's a she's a phenomenal actress, and she did another film with uh, Jack Lemmon called uh, Irma Ladus. It's also directed by Billy Wilder, and it, it's also a fantastic film. I love that film. It's I don't think it's as good. It's definitely not as good technically. Uh, it's more of a comedy. It's more like a. Um, yeah, it's more like a, you know, a kind of, a, uh, what's the, um, how do you call those comedies? Uh, romantic those comedies. comedies? It's not, yeah, it's a romantic comedy, but there's a, there's a, an actual, I can't remember. I have that in the tip of my tongue. Uh, well, anyway, it's, you know, it has a more, it, it's a more obvious uh, comedy. And it, the way that things escalate from, basically, it plays a cop uh in france in the neighborhood where there are prostitutes and she's a prostitute and it's just uh and this is just two years after the apartment this is very still within you know the, the period of the Hays code and uh basically he is just the only honest cop in a place where everybody is dishonest and the way that <laughs> things escalate is just amazing and she plays a fantastic role as well in that movie yeah, she's I really great. It. What's it called again? Irma. I-R-M-A. I-R-M-A. I'll check that out. Lad- Ladus. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. All right. I'll check it out uh, soon. I I love this movie. I think it's really interesting. I don't want to watch it again. I, okay. I just It's one of those movies where, like, I get it. It's amazing. No thanks. And okay. It's because the first half is just so, like, sad. Okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. I mean, uh, there are movies that, uh, that you love and you don't want to watch again. I don't know. For me, I find this to be a movie that I keep going back to mm-hmm. because, I, I, I don't know, I just, I, I just enjoy <laughs> the, the lightness of the, the whole thing. Uh, the but second yeah. half really is a payoff of you, you see him in this first half and then in the second half you're like you've earned this dude i don't know I, strangely i see it the other way around i find that the first half is more comedic and that the second the second half is more dramatic i don't know it's just it's, it's interesting there there is uh comedic elements to it like when he's trying to desperately sort out everyone and change around the calendar that's really funny yeah yeah I mean, it's it's tragic. Yeah, you're right. It's tragic, but I, I find it comedic and still very lighthearted. And then when it comes to the midpoint, there's like this really dramatic moment, and it gets really dark from there. And that that that's why for me, I kind of see it the other way, <coughs> mm-hmm. because it gets really dark around the midpoint and almost until the end. It's I mean, then it gets more lighthearted, but it gets really dark for a moment there. Yeah, in the middle, like, it's the darkest thing. She's, like, very sick. It's probably dying. Um, uh, no one gives a shit except for him. Uh, the doctor comes in and he's just like, dude, what the fuck have you been doing? <laughs> yeah, and I love the character of the doctor. I, I Yeah, it's it just it does so much with so little, you know, just the few times that he's on screen, he totally nails it. Yeah, it's, it's a great character. The... Uh, He's definitely the funniest character and he's not telling jokes, which is the kind of funny character that I love. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's just reacting to the, the world around him. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. Like um, the Terminator is in Terminator 2 is hilarious but, and so is Batman, but that's only because they don't get the joke. Yeah, yeah. They are too serious for that world, <coughs> I guess. Ah, God, I... This movie is brilliant, and I love it. And the more we talk about, it, the more I'm like, "Yeah, it's great." <laughs> well, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I guess that 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 happens when you when you discuss, you know, movie several times with someone as enthusiastic about it as I'm being right now. Yeah, that probably is going to happen. Oh, feeding off people's enthusiasm. The the reason I do this podcast is one to watch good and interesting movies. Mm -hmm. Two, to feed off people's enthusiasm. 
and be like, yeah, that bit was good. Uh, yeah. Which which I I like that. That's fun. Um, what's your favorite yeah. scene? Sorry. What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene. Wow. I don't know. Uh, I never thought about that. I I quite like that scene uh, in the the bar mm-hmm. with that other woman. <coughs> you know the the woman that tries to pick him up. Oh yeah. Yeah, I quite like that scene uh, because, I don't know, again, it has several uh, funny moments uh, and it's the ridiculous of the whole situation, you know, the, uh, she just starts a conversation by going, do you like Castro? And it's like, what the hell? What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I really don't have to swear. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. It's Australian. Okay, that's okay. Um, yeah, it's just this weird moment and then it ends with, you know, my my apartment or my apartment or yours and it just goes well you might as well go to mine everybody else does it's just <laughs> brilliant it's, yeah i love that scene yeah it's so funny um <laughs> this reminds me of um there was a documentary about a guy uh called scotty uh, okay. who was uh scotty in the scotty someone and the secret history of hollywood and it just talked about how, like, all these people that were closeted and in the Hollywood, and if this guy in this movie had charisma, he'd be Scotty because he just uh, helped okay. everyone hook up all the time. Uh, and this was before the AIDS epidemic uh, started. And when that started, he just quit doing that because of how terrible that was. But like <coughs> in a parallel world, <coughs> have a really bad cough, man. <laughs> uh, way I saw similarities between this guy and Scotty, even though they're completely different movies. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know the the movie you're talking about, but yeah, I, yeah. Uh, not many people have said it. <laughs> um, but I like exploring like the underbelly of prim and proper old-fashioned nobility and, like, the way the upper class wants to present themselves because fuck them. (laughs) You don't like the the 1%? (laughs) No. Who does? I want them to air their dirty laundry. Uh, It's it's one of the reasons I want to see... Kevin Smith's movies because he's just like, I can't believe that I got to make this movie because like I was just a guy with a camera and now I got a career for some reason. And he's just so uh, down to earth, which I appreciate. Yeah. He he gets on, he gets on it and he's not, you know, obsessing about anything. He just does stuff. And yeah, that's, Uh, that's, he's going to do Jane silent Bob reboot. Which is, yeah. uh, which sounds amazing, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I, I often find myself nodding, and then I realize this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I imagine that a lot of the things you say, I instead of just agreeing with you vocally, I'm just nodding. So yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, do you have you've seen uh, other? Have, have you seen uh, a few other films by this director? You saw the the um, the comedy. Uh, uh, yeah, Irma, Irma Ladus, It's really funny. I wouldn't recommend it as one of his best movies. It's it's good. I like it, but there's a lot of elements that you're probably that are probably dated. You know, there's like uh, there's a the way they resolve the plot is really ridiculous and completely impossible to you know uh, suspend your disbelief. <laughs> Let me just say that. I don't know, man. <laughs> Finding Dory had a fish driver fucking truck, so I can Watch basically the movie. go along with anything. Watch the movie. All You'll right. see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. But other movies by the director. Um, Double Indemnity, for me, it's probably the best film noir ever made. He did Double Indemnity? He did, yes. Fuck it's that movie. Good. It's Billy Wilder, yeah. And uh, the, the the lead actor is Fred McMurray, who plays his boss, his film. Nice. So, I like that um, he has a group of people that he wants to work with. 
Yeah, he, wor he worked with Jack Hammond <coughs> a lot. He, he also worked with uh, a few times with Walter Matthau, which was, well, he, he did several films with Jack Lemmon as well. He, Shirley MacLaine worked with a couple of times. Yeah, uh, William Alden, I think he also worked with him several times. So yeah, he, he seems to have like, I think pretty much every director has like the group of actors that they like to work with. Yeah, um, which like that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Making a movie is really hard. And if you like the person, yeah, exactly. Over and over again, especially if they're good at it. Yeah. And you start getting into the same mind space, you know, you kind of know what you need to get them to where you want to, you know what they make sense. Yeah. I, uh, this movie is uh, really fun. The, the Hayes Code uh, tried to ruin Hollywood. That was its mission. I'm, I, I'm convinced of it. But uh, thanks to good people that hate uh, censorship but love rating things, uh, we have that. <coughs> we switched from the Hayes Code to the rating system, which, while flawed, is a lot better mm -hmm. uh, than what we had. You said you're a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing short films and I'm, I'm a screenwriter as well. Yeah. Uh, what have you made? Have you made anything good? Uh, well, the good is relative, but I would say, yeah, they, they, are, they are good. <laughs> uh, no, so, so far, uh, uh, directing, I only directed a few shorts. Uh, happy to send you links uh, uh, if you want. Do yeah. you have a YouTube channel or something? Uh, mostly Vimeo, but uh, most of the films are still private because they are doing festivals. I have one of them public. Yeah. Oh, wow. So like legit festivals and yeah. getting distribution? Uh, we did get uh, distribution with a French company for my first film and I'm in talks for the other two, so yeah. Congratulations. When Thank you said you, yeah. filmmaker, I'm like, that's cool. He's doing like short films like on YouTube and stuff, but no, legit festivals, distribution. Holy shit, dude. No, come on. It's not, it's not that big thing i mean it's still at a very small scale hopefully it will get you know it will evolve uh but yeah right now it's still have ambition but also be proud of what you've done oh yeah and i am i am i i, I do have both both ambition and being proud of what i've done so far yeah uh i i love that you've made movies and i certainly hope that people will come and see will see what you've made uh, when they come out. Yeah, thank you. <coughs> I certainly will. And then we'll come back here and talk about it. If you want, happy to. Excellent. Um, I, I think that's it. What do you think? Anything else you want to bring up? Uh, no, not really. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a fun conversation about movie I really like. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for allowing me to just ramble about it for, for a while. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, I'm glad that I finally got to research what the Hayes Code was. Yeah, you, you really don't like it, I see. <laughs> well, no, and I'm glad they got rid of it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. the worst thing is that it was also really racist. Like, it, it said was. that you couldn't have uh, depictions of a uh, mixed-race couple unless one of them died or was punished. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, it, it, it's, it had some rules. I read some of the rules and some of the rules are just complete rubbish. Just yeah. ridiculous. Uh, and in 1968, they got rid of it. They brought in the rating system, which may have its problems, but at least you can make stuff. Yeah, you can. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, not, <coughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's completely a bad thing. I think it's good in the sense that, you know, if you're a parent and you want to know which movies your kid can watch, that's useful. At the same time, there are some rules that are a bit, I, I, I don't know. Uh, for example, I mean, famously, The Martian had the whole thing with the, they, they were able to still get their rating with two fucks, which the rule says that you should only have one. And, you the know, it's like... A dumb rule anyway. Sorry? That's a dumb rule. It is a dumb rule. But again, you know, we're, we're back to, it's not as bad as the Hays Code, but you still have some dumb rules that you have to follow that, you know... I, I like that, um, in, in Marvel, apparently they swear now because you can swear in a PG-13 movie, apparently. Uh, I, I 
think it's limited as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But they don't say fuck, but they say like shit like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but I think MPAA allows for that. I think shit is very mild. I think you, I mean, you cannot, you cannot overdo it. You cannot go insane with it, but I think you can use a moderate amount of shits. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is a strange thing to say. It's so good. Uh, I'll I'll do research on the rating system uh, later, but for right now, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, this was fun. I hope to see your movie soon. Are they going to be on Vimeo? Yeah, happy to send links. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, uh, is there any way that the people can follow you online? Uh, yes, my Twitter. I'm at Caterino uh, <coughs> underscore Bruno. Uh, and yeah, my Vimeo channel, um, which I don't remember, but. Yeah, <laughs> the link for that will be in the description. If you put the link, yeah, I can send that to you. Uh, Twitter and Vimeo, uh, Facebook page if you have it, any of that stuff, just send it to me, and all the links will be in the description. You can follow me at Aussie Nerds Pod. If you want to be on the podcast, uh, tweet me there. Uh, that's the best way to get in contact with me. Um, I have Facebook, Aussie Nerds on Facebook. Subscribe to this. Each week I talk to someone about their favorite movie. And sometimes I do massive amounts of research on background information. It's always a fun time. Uh, thank you. <coughs> this has been fun. Uh, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>